And let me begin. Obviously, same thing for me. Nothing coming out as far as speakers. Um, if it is, it's, it's very minimal. But I want to have a word of prayer for us. So, Father, I want to thank you for all six of these who are here. I thank you for their faithfulness uh, because that itself is a quality that you look for, is a faithfulness, a dependability, and the fact that they committed to attending and committed to finishing and Lord, I thank you for that. And I pray that you will bless each one as they go forth. Uh, there'll be a whole lot more to learn. There's, we never stop learning. I'm still learning myself. There's, there's so much about you. And I pray that this is whetted in their appetites for more of you. And I ask that you would uh, bless this class tonight. Speak to us uh, about the bride. And help us to see the revelation of this as you see her. And, uh, and for tomorrow's class, financial class. I just pray over it right now. And we just ask God that you will just really use this class to help people in the area of finances. Lord, thank you. It's, as far as the number of people attending, it's just the most successful class we've ever had at Valley View. And so I thank you for that. Uh, there's obvious hunger in that area. And so we pray a blessing on it too and a blessing especially on John as he, as he spearheads that and heads that up. And uh, thank you for him doing that. In Jesus' name, amen. When we gave the pictures, when I told you about the pictures, how many of you, does anybody here remember how many pictures the Lord first gave me? Yeah, we, I guess we could guess anything below seven, right? No, 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 I, it was four. It was four. And I'm not really sure why it came like this. Uh, the other three were added later. Um, maybe it was just as I began to get revelation, or maybe he wanted us to focus on the first four initially uh, as a church because our first four really hit that. We taught on serving. It was part of our, we called it solid rock classes. Hey, Jim, the men's group meets downstairs, brother. Yeah, they should be here any minute then. Yeah, yeah, bless you. Um, so, Basically, uh, had four, and then three more came. And then this eighth picture really has come since I've been here at Valley View. Uh, I guess I always knew it. I made references to it, but I didn't see it as a, a, a actual value of what the church should look like. But today we're going to talk, or tonight we're going to talk about the bride, that the church is the picture, this last picture is a bride. Now, for the guys in the room, it might, sometimes it's a little harder for guys to wrap themselves uh, and their minds around being the bride of Christ, but it's not so much a gender thing any more than when we talk about the army, uh, you know, it, which is primarily more men involved. There's certainly women involved in the military, but it's more masculine in nature, uh, and women may have a little tougher time wrapping their brain around that, but in the Word, uh, we're not looking so much at gender. You have to kind of just remove your gender and just get the truths that that picture is trying to show. And once I begin to get the picture of what the bride of Christ, what that's supposed to represent, it made my relationship with the Lord that much deeper because there's really some neat things in this picture. So 
It's a pretty simple class that we're going to be teaching here on the bride, but uh, there are three emphasis. We're going to talk about uh, how it's the final picture. Um, then there's two emphasis of the, of the bride, and that will be love, and the second one being holiness. So Revelation 19, 7. Um, John, you have the mic in front of you, and what we'll do is we'll just pass it down this way, and then we'll just pass it straight back. That way we're not walking around with the mic uh, since... Since we and anytime you uh, and don't turn it off, whatever you do, leave it on after you're through. So, Revelation 19:7. Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory, for the wedding of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. Okay, just for clarification, who's the Lamb? Jesus is. He's considered the Lamb that was led to slaughter. So he, it's talking about Jesus. And it's talking about his wedding has come and the bride has made herself ready. That's us. We're the bride. All of us collectively make up the bride. So that's the truth we're getting here. What book of the Bible did he just read from? Revelation. Which is a key to this very first point. This very first point is a simple point. But this it kind of makes sense why this would be the last picture. Because... In the last days, I think that this picture, all the other pictures are still going to be true. We're always going to be a hospital. We're always going to be servants. We're always going to be an army. But it's this last picture that's kind of come into the forefront and has become the emphasis of, or God's emphasis. When you look at the book of Revelation, he mentions this bride. And he doesn't mention the other pictures as much. There's kind of alludes to them. But he talks about the bride. So it's no wonder that it would be a last picture that the Lord showed me because I believe it has to do with the last days. It's always been the bride. But it's the one that is coming to the forefront. Um, I, it really became real to me since coming here to Valley View. And largely because Valley View is connected to IHOP, International House of Prayer. And when I went out there, I heard talk for the first time about the Bride of Christ like I'd never heard before. I heard Mike Bickle talk a lot, who's the leader of IHOP. heard him talk a lot about the Bride of Christ and the Song of Solomon, which I'm going to share here in a moment in the next point. But all of a sudden, it was just like this picture started coming alive. And a lot of the songs we sing are songs that would be like two people who are in love with each other, the Bride of Christ in love with Jesus. It's very personal. It's, it's very, as somebody almost could say, it's almost mushy. It's, it's just full of love for the Lord. Uh, it's funny, when we were at, at the church in Illinois that we were planning, there was a lot of militant songs we were singing. There are tons of songs about being in the army and militant and taking the land. And that seemed to be a real emphasis. But here, in particular, again, we still are the army. That doesn't go away. But the, the one that God is bringing to the forefront and this is why it's really important for you guys to get this one, is the bride of Christ. Because we are, we make up the bride of Christ. We're the ones who are making ourselves ready for the groom, Jesus. So there are two emphases. Now, before we go into the emphasis, when you think of a wedding, little discussion here, and the mic will pick up some of it, may not pick up all of it. When you think of a wedding, what do you think of? Anything at all. It doesn't have to, you don't have to even make it fit into this class. Just anything. What do you think of? Hmm. I like that. 
Joy. Celebration. Celebration. Yeah. Joining of two people into one. Yeah. Anybody else? The dress. Good. Good. We're actually going to address the address. We're going to address the dress. Uh, Anybody else? Family. Big part of it. Ah. Banquet. Yeah. There's usually food. You know, that, it's really wild because all my kids, we're, we're, our youngest one's getting married this, this summer. And I'll probably reference that a little bit in, the, in tonight's teaching because it's so, because that's all my, my wife is just consumed with wedding right now. I mean, everything's wedding. She's online constantly checking everything out. And they're, they're back and forth. They're on the phone constantly talking about things. And, and, uh, and I forgot where I was going to go with this. Anyhow, the wedding. <laughs> well, oh, but how they all... All involve eating now. Well, I mean, whenever uh, we got married, it was like you got a piece of cake and some punch, man. That was that was it. Enjoy, you know. I, I'm like it's, and I, where I was from, Cleveland. Now, the especially because there's a large Catholic population up there, they always did meals with theirs, and us Protestants were the cheap ones. We just had the cake and the punch. But uh, but now it's just all gone that way. So yeah, banqueting. What else? Anything? What's that? Vows. Really good. Vows. I could see there are a whole lot of things that I could add to this lesson later on, maybe. It'll become one of those, you know, we're about to divide it into two, because you guys are mentioning several things that obviously the Lord didn't lay on my heart to teach, but good stuff. Especially when you think we're the bride, He's the groom. You think of joy. You think of celebration. You think of banquet. You think of dress. You think of all these things, think of that in relationship. If we're the bride and he's the groom and there's coming a wedding, then everything we're saying is somehow going to kind of fit into that. The vows that we've made to him and that he makes to us. Anything else? Eternal love. Yeah. It doesn't seem too eternal with about half of the marriages, but it's meant to be that way. Yeah. Anything else? All right. Well, let's take a look at the two that the Lord really laid on my heart. And the one is the one that you just mentioned, Mike. I didn't use the word eternal necessarily, but we use the word love. We use the word love. And, Mike, you have this scripture. And if you would, go ahead and say the reference as well. Song of Songs 4, 9 through 10. You have stolen my heart, my bride. You have stolen my heart with one glance of your eyes. How delightful is your love, my bride. How much more pleasing is your love than wine. Now, years ago, we we had a guy come into our church. And we were a bunch of young couples. And he taught Song of Solomon. And he taught it as a marriage book. It's really, really um, detailed. It's actually pretty explicit. Uh, the, the The last, I remember they were like, three or four sessions, the last session, we all just as joke, we got really close to this guy. His name was David Barton, and David Barton has gone on to become actually very famous. And he deals with historical stuff and has spoken to Congress and everything else. But he came into our home, was teaching all of us young couples, and the last one we, we actually came and we put paper sacks as a joke over our head with little eyes because it was so explicit. It was so detailed, the Song of Solomon. And, of course, he's teaching it. So he's going into all this stuff and saying, this is what marriage should be like. 
But it wasn't until I came here, because that's the way I always looked at Song of Solomon or Song of Songs. It depends what what version you use, how the title of it. It wasn't until I came here and I went out to IOP, International House of Prayer in Kansas City, and Mike Bickle was teaching. And Mike Bickle's dad was, um, if I got the story right, and I think I do, was a boxer. So Mike was, was raised around, you know, this uh, masculinity. And so he always prided himself on being a man's man. And he said, when the Lord first spoke to him and said, Mike, I'm going to make you a teacher of Song of Songs, he's like, oh, God, any book but that. I don't want to, I don't want to teach on that book. That book's for women. He said, that's not for us men. And, and the Lord just said, no, I'm going to make you a teacher on it. And he said, in fact, it's going to become one of the main emphasis in the last days is Song of Songs because it's a picture of my bride. And when he said to him, it's a picture of my bride, and then Michael's on to talk about how that a prophet had a word of knowledge. Remember what a word of knowledge is, specific words that you can't know. Called him up that day, I think it was. And again, I may not have all the story, the details 100% right, but it's close enough that the gist of it is very true. And this prophet called him up and said, Mike, the Lord just spoke to you, didn't he? That you're supposed to teach something, right? And he said, don't tell me what it is. And he said, yes, he did. He said, now I'm going to tell you what he told you. He told you you're supposed to speak on song of songs. Mike said, yeah, and I don't want to. And he says, well, you'll want to. Once you get a hold of this, you'll really want to. And so he's been teaching on it for over 20 years now. So when I heard it, he'd already been speaking on it for a long time. And he, he prefaces that. And I remember him saying, for all you guys out there, and remember, this was a conference. When I went, there were about 20,000 people. There's now about 30,000 that come to this conference. So there's, there's a ton of people there and a lot of guys. And he said, for a lot of you guys, he said, you may have the same thoughts I have when you first hear the, the bride and the dress. And, and he said, it's just hard. He said, but you've got to get your masculinity out of the way. And I think he was the one who said, just like women have to get, when they think of army, they can't be thinking feminine. You know, it, it's, you get that out of the way. We're talking about the body of Christ, that we are the bride. He said, once you catch this, you'll fall in love with Jesus. And he said, that's what it's all about. He said, the last day church is going to be a church that is head over heels in love with Jesus. And so that's what's happening in the church. Uh, We have, well, I'm jumping ahead of myself just a little bit. So let me just say this. Every year in our fast time, we have a 21-day fast that we start off our year with from January 11th. January 31st. We've done it for four years in a row now. Every one of these Januaries, my wife and I, Linda and I, we study the Song of Solomon. We start off the year studying about being the bride of Christ. It's just enriched our walk with the Lord. It is profound what it has done. And so, while my masculinity can maybe relate to being an army, At the same time, now I'm beginning to understand I am a lover of Jesus. I'm in love with Him. I'm in love with the groom as part of this bride of Christ. And it's really this love relationship that the Lord is after. So let me ask you a question here, a little discussion. Again, Mike might pick up some of this. 
I may repeat some of what you say because I have a mic right here that it will pick up if I think it's too soft. Why is love so important in this relationship? And don't look. Don't look at your notes. Alright? Just so I get your feedback. Um, why is love so important? Anybody? And think of, think of marriages. Think of your own marriage. Think of, I mean, if, if you want help on this, think of marriage. Or think of what you want marriage to be. Why is love such an important part of that? Shows devotion. Now, first of all, I guess maybe we should clarify that love can mean a lot of different things, right? Yeah, I mean, the same word love can mean tons of different things. So think in terms of of devoted type love, marriage type love, what it should be. Anybody else? Why is love so important? I like that. You guys are kind of thinking the same law along the same line, but it really has a lot to do with commitment and devotion. Those are really different, but they lead kind of the same thing. A yearning for the other person. That's a good word. That's really a good word. So we have a yearning for Jesus. We have a yearning for God. With these words, we have, a, we have a devotion to the Lord. We have a commitment to the Lord as His bride. We have a yearning for Him as His bride. What else does love speak of? Serving. Serving. It definitely displays itself. Remember we said serving is love with overalls on. So we gladly serve Him. And hopefully we do it because we love Him. Not because he's up there. See, some people have a picture of God. I did when I was a kid. I had a picture of God that he didn't really like me. He, He saved me, but he didn't like me because obviously anybody who sinned like I had sinned and done the things I did, how could this holy God like him? So I had this picture that he didn't really love me. He saved me because I believed on him. And, and then every time I made a mistake, I figured he was up there just kicking me out again, going, get back where you belong. You're, you're basically a sinner. And it really took a lot to change my viewpoint that he loved me. And then I wanted to serve him just because I loved him. Not because I have this image that he's going to beat me if I don't. Anyone else before we go on? Going once. Going twice. All right. Well, some biblical reasons why love is important. Um, Oops. I'm sorry. I already have these. I forgot I put them on your thing. Go ahead and read the point and then read the scripture under if you would. And Kathy, I think you're next. Don't forget to pick up the mic, please. Matthew 22:36 to 38. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. Okay, so why is it so important that we become lovers of God? Which, by the way, uh, a lot of you know Joanne Barger in our church. Joanne Barger uh, one time uh, wrote something, a little thank you note to me, and it, I just really cherished it because of what's how she worded it. And it was very simple, very to the point. She just said, thank you for helping us to become lovers of God. Well, 
that's Jesus said, if you want to sum up all of the commandments, you can take, where's the Old Testament? Find, find the end of the Old Testament in here, Brittany. Find where the New Covenant begins. Gotta be getting close. Malachi is the last book, but it's small, so you'll probably see Matthew before you see anything. You don't have to get to the exact page. Just get to Matthew, and when you get to Matthew, that's all right. So it's right about, yeah, here, there you go. Okay, look at that. This here, that's Old Testament. This here's New Covenant. In the very first part of this, in Matthew, what Kathy just read, Jesus was asked, what's the greatest commandment? Jesus makes a very profound statement. He says, to love the Lord your God, to love, to love, to love the Lord your God. This is how important love is, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength. And then he says, all of the law and all of the prophets hang on this one command. All of this, all of the law and all of the prophets, he says, you can sum it up. If you love God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength, then all those commandments will be fulfilled. All that the prophets spoke about will be fulfilled. That's a profound statement. He says you can wrap it up in loving God. So when I look at the church, I, I, my prayer is, I'm sorry, never quite lost your place. My prayer is, geez, I could have been stabbed by that thing. It looks like a dagger or something. Anyhow, my prayer is that Valley View Church, which is a local expression of the big church, is filled with lovers of God. People who just absolutely are head over heels in love with God, in love with Him. Why is it important? Because it's the first and greatest command. Sorry, you have to put that back where you had that. Alright? Second, because it's one of the strongest passions that you can have. Brittany, if you'll read the reference and the scripture. 1 Corinthians thirteen thirteen. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. Now, does anybody know what 1 Corinthians 13 is about? Yeah, it's about love, the whole chapter. It's called the love chapter. Remember, there used to be the love boat. Well, this is the love chapter. The whole chapter is love. The love chapter. And then he's talking about how the... This is going to pass, this is going to pass, this is going to pass, this is going to pass. But three things are going to last right into eternity. Faith, hope, and love. And then he says, but you know what is the greatest of faith, hope, and love? And what does he say is the greatest? Love. It's the strongest passion of all. And I mean, faith and hope, aren't they're not lightweights. Those are heavyweights. Faith and hope. 
but he says love is the greatest. So the Lord is looking for that kind of passion from us, loving him, because love is what's going to take us on into eternity. Why love? Because it's the first and greatest command. Secondly, because it's the strongest passion. Thirdly, because it protects us from legalism. It protects us from legalism. Now, that's a term that maybe nobody in the class even understands what legalism is. Maybe everybody understands what legalism is. I don't know. So let's make sure we understand what we're talking about. What do we mean by legalism? Does anybody want to venture out and give it a try? It's a rigid following of rules for this reason, though. It is. It's a following of rules to be approved by God. In other words, in order to be approved by God, I have to follow all these rules. I have to do this, 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 this in order for God to love me and approve me. That's legalism. Now, we all want to obey Him, but I want to do it out of love, not because i got to do this, this, this for Him to love me and approve of me. Does that make sense? In other words, you love Michael. It's pretty obvious that you love him. And, and you show it, Mike, even though he will become like an adopted son to you. You'll become like an adopted daddy to him, provided the Lord continues on with you guys and you do end up being together, providing that. But right now, it looks like it's headed that direction at least. And so it's obvious that you love him, that you show him this love. Why do I keep doing this? Then I, come, I go off with these stories and then I forget where I was going. Lord, help me out here. Maybe I'll remember where I was headed with that because there was a reason for that. Thank you. Thank you for reminding me. So, anyhow, uh, you want Michael to obey you, right? Like if you tell him not to do something. But does that obedience have anything to do with your love? No. It doesn't. And I guarantee you for Anna, flesh and blood, this is what's so beautiful about, about what you do. It's because, again, you're like this adopted daddy. You're like adopted son. But Anna, flesh and blood, she loves him. She loves him. She doesn't always approve. She may discipline him. But even when she disciplines him, does, does that mean she doesn't love him? No. She's disciplining him because she does love him. So when God disciplines us, we may think, oh, God's angry at me. He doesn't like me. No, He's angry at what we've done. But He loves us. He loves us. It is a love relationship. So it protects me. Because I grew up in a Pentecostal church, I was legalistic. I had to do this, 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 this to please God. Or God was going to, again, He was, going to, he was looking for excuses to get rid of me. I mean, I know people like, how could you believe that? Well, if you heard what I preached, heard preached all the time, you would, you would have believed it too. I mean, I just thought that this was, he was a holy God, and he is. I don't want to take anything away from his holiness. He's very holy, but I could never measure up. That's the whole point. That's why Jesus came, because we couldn't measure up. None of us. And, and this, that's where the love story begins. He loved us so much, he sent his son. So it protects us from falling into that legalism. So look at these scriptures in view of that. Um, we'll let both of you guys, Mary, couple, read each. One of you take a, each scripture, okay? Second Corinthians five fourteen through fifteen. For Christ's love compels us, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for Him who died for them 
and was raised again. Okay, before Dan reads, let's, let's think for a moment about what Becky just read. What compels us? His anger? His threats? What compels us to want to obey Him? His love. Because I know how much He loves me, it makes me want to obey Him. Now, it doesn't mean I always obey Him. I still get disciplined. I still mess up sometimes. But I want to obey Him. Why do I want to obey Him? Because now I, I'm, I no longer have this idea that He wants to kick me out of the kingdom. Now I'm like, He loves me. I want to go back for one second. Because I should have emphasized this way more than I did. Look at the Scripture at the right underneath love. Song of Songs. You have stolen my heart, my bride. Who's speaking here? If this is a picture of Christ and His church, and I mean, it has to do with regular marriage too. It has to do with King Solomon and his bride. But if it is a picture of Christ and His church, who is speaking here? Christ is. And who's the bride? We are. Look at His words. You have stolen my heart. Can you picture your God going, you, my bride, have stolen my heart. I'm just so crazy about you. I'm so in love with you. You have stolen my heart. With just one glance, when we just glance at him, he's like, oh, she's looking at me again. See, I look at that, that's how I would react. But when I think God reacts that way about me, so it's the strongest passion. It's not just the first and greatest commandment. It's the strongest passion you can have. He loves me. I want to love him back. And it protects me from falling into this legalistic trap where I'm just doing things because I have a fear of God. I have a respect of God. And I do fear his discipline in the sense that it can hurt. But I no longer fear his rejection. He loves me. And because he loves me that much, this without question, I want to obey Him. Sometimes I'm weak. Sometimes I may fail. But that has nothing to do with my want. I want to obey Him. His love compels me. I want to give up my life for Him. I mean, somebody who gave His life for me, He loved His bride so much that He died for her. Brutally was killed. Does that make sense to you? Are you starting to see why this, it's a love relationship. Really more important than anything else, get that from this, this whole picture of the bride. All right, there was another scripture. We didn't let Dan read it yet, but look at this. 1 John 5, 3. This is love for God, to obey His commands, and His commands are not burdensome. Yeah. In other words... They're not burdensome. It's not a hassle to obey God. I want to obey God. Why? Because I love Him. He loves me. We will also conquer through love. In these last days, if you read the book of Revelation, if you study it, you'll see some things in there that are pretty horrifying that are coming to planet Earth in these last days. And But one of the things you'll see are people conquer love. Um, again, I'm borrowing that statement, that actual statement I'm borrowing from Mike Bickle. And he was teaching. The first IHOP I went to, he was teaching on Revelation. 
And he was teaching that the church is going through the revelation, is going through the tribulation. I was raised and taught that we're going to be raptured out. We're going to get out of here before all that bad stuff happens. He was teaching that we were going through it. I was like, okay, I'm going to go with an open mind. I'm going to see what God's saying. I'll have to be honest with you because I was taught one way. There are scriptures I see one way, and I'm taught the other way. I see scriptures the other way, and people say, well, what do you believe? I actually lean toward the fact that we'll probably go through the tribulation. I won't be sad if we don't. If he takes us beforehand, I won't be sad by that. But I happen to believe and feel like I should at least prepare people that we might, and I think probably will go through the tribulation. Now, here's the thing. Anytime I ever thought of tribulation before, it struck absolute dread and fear in my heart. It scared the daylights on me. When my kids, we were at Christmas time, and we're sitting there having a dinner, Christmas dinner, and somehow the tribulation came up. I have no idea how the tribulation came up. But I think somehow the tribulation came up. It may be because of the phone. And my wife had just got a phone, and the last, the last iPhone has the fingerprint scanner. And my kid said, and you let her get that, Dad? I said, well, she got it herself. I don't exactly tell her what she can get and can't get. He said, yeah, but that's like a precursor, a fingerprint scanner. What's going to be next? You know? And I said, it probably is a precursor. I agree with you. To the mark of the beast, where you won't be able to buy or sell without the mark. I said, I think that all these things are headed that way. And I think that, yeah, it's all part of it. I agree with you. Is it it? No, it's not it. But yeah, it's definitely headed that way. And my, my youngest daughter said, this stuff just freaks me out. She said, can we talk about anything else? And I said, sure we could. But she was still interested because she didn't let it drop. And so I said, honey, we will conquer through love. We will conquer through love. And then I took time to explain to her what we're going to talk about here. But let's read the scripture first. It's a, this is a heavy-duty scripture. This is in Revelation. The same one that talks about the bride coming. So, uh, yeah, go ahead, Beth. You, you, go ahead and read it. We'll let you read it. You got it right there. You got the heavy. Revelation 7, 9 through 10 and 14. After this, I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and in front of the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands. And they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne, and to the Lamb. These are those who have come out of the great tribulation. Okay. It doesn't really talk a lot here about the tribulation, but these are those who were literally were slaughtered and came through the tribulation and came out of the great tribulation. Um, it may strike fear in your heart, and I won't say that it doesn't strike any fear in my heart. I don't like pain. I'm not all that brave. I'm not. And so I think, what makes me think that if this happens, what makes me think that I'll even take a stand if I have to take a stand? If I can't buy or sell? And even if we don't go through the tribulation, there are people today that are living this right now, especially in Muslim countries. Christians right now are living this very thing. I saw two videos last week. I saw them. I saw it with my own eyes. 
that jihadists had put out. And a, the news organization had an explicit warning. My wife asked me later, she said, why in the world did you watch those? Because they bothered me. And they had a row of men in a, just a building with a cement floor, all kneeling down, hands tied behind their back. And then they went into their chants. And the next thing you knew, they began to take guns and just blow the back, shoot them in the back of their heads. And I, I'm watching this. And because of the way my brain thinks, I'm watching these guys who know that it's coming. I'm thinking, what would I be thinking? So this is how my life is going to end. I'm this young, and I'm going to die just because. You know what their crime was? They refused to denounce Christianity and convert to becoming a Muslim. They refused to denounce Christianity. But the second video made the first one pale. I almost hesitated in sharing it with you, but this you need to know. Even if we don't go through the tribulation, there are people today, they'd say, hey, look, what does it matter? We're going through it now. And in this one, a man took another guy, and again, praying his prayers, he took a knife to the guy and began to just cut his throat until his head just flopped back and threw his body down. The body went through these gyrations. And I was just like, oh, and Linda could hear me just, I was just making these noises. And she said, what, what? And I said, I just, I just saw the most horrific video. I can't, I, I don't, she goes, why would you watch it? And I said, I don't know why I watched it. I felt compelled to watch it. And there's a part of me that since then, has prayed almost daily for people in the world that, that, you know, when you live in America, you just don't think of these things. You don't think of the cost that some people are already paying. That one day, one day, yes, one day we might have to pay. And in my fearful heart, as I sat in that first IHOP conference and heard them teaching on, tri- on the tribulation, and all of a sudden, he began to say, but we will become such lovers of God that we will be willing to go through anything for Him. It's love, he said, that will conquer. Not commitment, not bravery, not boldness, not machoism. None of those things will conquer. It is love and love alone. When you love somebody, and he said, think about it, husband, how much you love your wife. If somebody would attack, how you would be willing to stand in front even if you're not brave. Why would you do that? Why would you run up there? Why would you take whatever is coming? Because you love her. Well, Jesus showed us this same love. This is what he took for us. And the day may come, may not, but it might come where you and I are faced with the decision, denounce Christ and live. Denounce Christ and you can buy. Denounce Christ. That's why the picture of the bride is at the end. It's, it's tied in with the tribulation. Of all things, a picture of a bride is tied in with the tribulation because it is love and only love that will make you do the things, whatever you have to do, to stand for Jesus. And that's what we say. Let's fall in love with Him now. Don't wait until that desperate day. And then all of a sudden go, oh, but i got to try to fall. Fall in love with Him now. Just love Him and let Him love on you. Let Him be ravished by one look. 
of you glancing toward him. And he goes, oh, look at you. You're looking at me again. I love it when you look at me with such love. And we sing a song. I'll live for you. Lord, I will die for you. We sing that. And when the Lord gave that to me in my office, it was at one of these moments where I was thinking, God, I don't know if I can. I just, I'm not that brave. I, I just don't know. And he said, just love me. Just love me. And he said, don't worry about it. Just love me. Fall in love. Because he said, look how much I love you. You know that now. So this last picture, it really is all about love. But, to close it out, it's also about our dress. The wedding garment. And again, if I could go into my wife, I mean the hours that she's spending planning, the decoration, the this, the that, the this. The, I'm performing the ceremony and I'm thinking, man, I am getting off easy. It's just crazy to me. And just the thought that went into the dress. Picking out the dress. It's like, us guys, we just don't get it. We just don't get it. Well, look what it says in Revelation 19, 7 and 8. Written. The wedding of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. Fine linen, bright and clean, was given to her to wear. Fine linen stands for the righteous acts of the saints. And that's actually in the scripture after it actually tells us that. So, let's take a look at this because the other part of the of this picture of us being the bride is that we want to make ourselves ready for him. We don't want to just love him. We also want to have the a pure a purity about the dress stands for purity or holiness. So we want to walk in purity, walk in holiness. I'm going to stand before the Lord one day. I'm no longer fearful that he's wanting to kick me out, but I want to please him. I want him to go, oh, look how beautiful you are in that righteousness. Walking in holiness. So, point A, with hope comes desire. Let's see, let me put it up here so that you guys can see. Or did I go too far? Did I already have it up there? Purity and holiness. Revelation, uh, well, we already read that. With hope will come this desire to want to purify yourself. Kathy. 1 John 3, 2-3. Dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself, just as he is pure. So he says, if you're really believing that Jesus is coming back, it makes you want to purify yourself. Even if you, if, I mean, if you believe the pre, pre-trib rapture, you know, I used to scare the daylights out of me too because I think he's going to come just like that and if I'm not ready, I'm going to be left behind. So we want a desire to purify ourselves before him. All right? Without stain or wrinkle. This is all talking about that dress that Becky, I think you mentioned about the dress. Ephesians five twenty-five through 27. Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church, without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, 
but holy and blameless. Okay, my question to you before we go to the last point is, how do you get rid of uh, stains? What do you do? You scrub them. So what's the principle behind scrubbing? What, what are two, uh, I think of two things, maybe there's more than two, that goes into getting rid of that stain. What's the principle behind scrubbing? Yeah, agitation or friction and soap or the washing of the water of the Word. So He gives us the Word so that we know how to be pure. But then He also sends, and you have to get this, He sends agitation. The things that agitate us, some of those are not necessarily sent by the devil. Some of those are God sent because it's the agitation that brings out you say, well, it brings out bad things in me. Well, that's the whole point. It's so that that stain can come to the surface and then we can get rid of it. So he shows me what's in me by allowing me to go through agitation, things that agitate me. And all of a sudden, oh, that's still in me? That's not good at all. And God's like, yeah, let's get rid of that. He said, I've already saved you and I've already forgiven you. And yeah, you, sh- you should ask for forgiveness because of what you just said or because of how you acted. But let's get rid of that. It's still in you. So he literally allows these agitations to come so that he can present us without spot. Without spot. He cleans us by his word, but he also cleans us with the agitation. Well, how do you get rid of wrinkles? What are the, there's, again, I can think of two things that get rid of wrinkles. You're, you're ironing. So what, what do you do with the iron? What are the two principles of an iron? Heat. He turns up the fire. Again, a lot of you are thinking, well, that's the devil. It's not always the devil. Sometimes it's God saying, you know what, let's turn up the heat and get all this, you know, we want to get rid of the wrinkles. And so he turns up the heat. And then the other thing is, what are you, what are you doing? Pressure. You know that pressure that you keep saying, God, take away this pressure. And God's like, mm, can't do that. I'm trying to get rid of some wrinkles. Yeah, but all you're seeing are wrinkles. Yeah, I know, you need to see the wrinkles too so that we can get rid of them. So he uses heat and pressure because this last day, if we're going to be the bride, if we're going to be this bride who has a garment without spot or wrinkle, then he's going to have to send the agitation, the washing of the water of the world, the heat and the pressure. And those are things he uses for our good so that our wedding garment looks good. You wouldn't want to pay these ridiculous amounts they pay for these wedding garments and then have it wrinkled. Right? So he's given us this robe of righteousness. And the last thing we want to do is go, here I am, Lord. You know, it looks like this shirt, all these wrinkles on. And the Lord's like, man, that's a wrinkled mess. Come on in. I mean, you've still got the garment on. Come on in. But you never got rid of those wrinkles. He's making a bride without spot or wrinkle. So not only are we going to be full of love, but we're going to be really saying, God, I want to be pure. I want to be holy. I want to live that way. And I want to do it because I love you. And I want the world to see you. And they don't see you when they see me. When they see my failures. They don't see you. So I want them to see you. Help me to be holy. Alright? And there's one last thing we have here. We want to please Him because we love Him. And, and John, we'll let you read just both of these scriptures. They basically... We've actually read both of these scriptures before, but I wanted to to fit this point as well. Second Corinthians five fourteen through fifteen. For God's love compels us 
that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. I know it's redundant, but John, why do we want to no longer live for ourselves? What compels us? Christ's love. His love. His love. Yeah. And then our love back, First John 5, 3. This is love for God to obey his commandments. To obey, to obey his commands. His commands are not burdensome. Yeah. So in closing this, why is my daughter, and by the way, a simple wedding could be just as fine. It, it has nothing to do with the elaborateness of a wedding because I don't think ours is going to be very elaborate compared to what they talk about. But why is she doing all that she's doing for this wedding? Why? Why is she doing all this? For a wedding. Because she wants to show actually display her love for this man that she wants to spend the rest of her life. And it's a grand celebration. We're going to have a wedding coming soon. How soon? I don't know. I mean, soon to the Lord sometimes is a lot longer than we think. So you guys may live to be old. I certainly have. I thought he was going to come when I was a teenager. But I know this, we're closer to that end than we were when I was a teenager. And when I do th- see things like paying for things with a touch of a thumb or things that are coming down the pike, and I'm like, wow, this stuff actually is happening. The stuff that they're talking about, it's actually happening. And it won't be so much forced. It'll be like everybody be jumping on board like, yeah, of course you'll do this. It makes sense to do this. And the Christians, the ones who know the word, will be like, no, look, no, now this is the mark. I can't take it. I can't do it. And we'll look like idiots. Why are you not wanting to do it? You can be safe if you have this. Everything's secure. Why do you Christians always resist this stuff? And then eventually it'll become ruthless, especially in the last half of the tribulation. And if we're going through it, it's because we're a bride and we have this picture so clear in our head. And we won't be thinking bride. We'll just be thinking, I love him. I love him. And I know this. This is it. Now I do know the end of ends is coming and that wedding is coming. The one no matter what I have to endure, it's coming. My bridegroom is coming. The one that I love is coming. So Father, I pray that all eight of these pictures will be vivid when people walk into Valley View and when Valley View walks out of here, this little local expression of your big body, I pray that these eight pictures will be very vivid and very clear. We'll be servants. We'll be the militant church taking the lamb for Jesus. We'll be a hospital that cares and sees people born again that we'll go back to the Word and what the Word says. That we will be a bride that is absolutely in love with you. Yeah, this is what I pray. Not just for these six, but for all of those who call themselves by your name. And Lord, since I mentioned them tonight, for our brothers and our sisters who right now are going through unthinkable things just because they love you. Please let them know 
that there are people that care, that there are people that are praying, that there are people that are holding them up in prayer, and that we applaud them. Lord, let them feel the strength of knowing that they are not forgotten. These true lovers of God. In Jesus' name, we pray. What will you do if you're Tuesday night? Probably, probably a lot of things. Um, some of you are replacing it with a Wednesday night. Anyhow, if we don't see you some on Sundays and that, keep us informed what's going on with the baby. And uh, uh, we don't want to lose touch with you guys by any means. So, And when we do get to see you, I know you live quite a ways away, but when we do get to see you, try to come see us. We'd love to have you. You and your baby. So, yeah, yeah. So thank you guys for all that. Uh, just I really do. Thank you for your commitment. Next week, um, wish it could have been a little bit better than this, but we'll make it just. We'll make it nice. It'll be a nice, fancy, not fancy. It'll be uh, that's the wrong word because it won't be fancy at all. I'm not going to mislead you. It'll be a nice meal. Just come with the meal. Or come for a meal, and uh, but but it's a meal to honor you and. Uh, we decided this as a church. We just wanted to do this, and we did it last year, and we'll do it. So it'll be right here. might be up here. might be downstairs. I, I, I kind of fear doing it up here because if we spill something or whatever, you know, but we have done some stuff up here. So we'll see. You'll, you'll know when you come. If it's not up here, just head downstairs. So 6, and we'll be out by 7 because they have a meeting downstairs at 7.30. Uh, it, it won't be long because they'll be ready to go whenever you get there and uh, ready to eat and we're not going to be doing any teaching or anything, just kind of letting you know like who, who excelled in the class. And, uh, and again, just commending you. We've invited the elders to come too because we want them to be a part of that. So they'll be here as well. So. Bless you guys. Have a great, great week. See a couple of you tomorrow. And uh, the rest of you, some of you will see next Sunday, Sunday, and some will see next week. Thank you.